Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room and let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. So here I am wanting to talk about persuasion and influence again. If you can imagine what I'm uh, reading these days. Uh, but the th- there's something that kind of came up in, into my um, sphere here and it talks about the five different strategies and they just are very simple and I thought as a kind of takeaway this would be perfect. And I'll explain kind of what really got me going. But the first one is to just trans- transform into being a deep listener. So in order to influence people, it's not the style of Donald Trump, I'm going to butcher or push you around. That's not what really gets people to, to change. So that's kind of the first step. The second step is to infect people with the proper mood. And so this one I really like is you can influence the people you're interacting with by um, kind of infecting your mood into them. So Mm -hmm. one thing that I always try to do is start on a very positive note of like, oh my gosh, do you have any vacations? I know we talked about that before, but you can, and I've seen like, you can really go into people and take your feelings and make them kind of feel that. And I think that's, that's a that's a you can do that consciously and one thing that has helped me do that is to think of the person or the people that I'm meeting with uh, mm. in the meeting beforehand and for uh, for me to think about them in a really good light so you know they're very I'm really excited to meet with them and to think about the qualities that they have that are really positive so that's just an easy way to kind of walk into the meeting and put yourself in a good mood Mm-hmm. the third one is to confirm their self-opinion so everybody thinks and it's basically i'm autonomous intelligent and i think there's one more but that's kind of the you confirm some of the things that they think about themselves that's an easy way for them to get to start nodding and, and go you seem like a person who yeah oh know. man and it, and just and uh something that's interesting that we started to do at work is Uh, I mean, this language is very effective with people, you know, you can do whatever you want, but this is kind of what I'd recommend, you know, like, oh, you can do whatever you want. And just kind of, instead of saying, you're smart, I don't need to tell you what to do. Yeah, You already know that you already kind of know this, but yeah, yeah, I'm just, you know, you, you, I'm telling you stuff you already know, but yeah. And this is, you know, here's a bunch of shit you don't actually know. (laughs) Here's here's something that I want to make sure you really remember. (laughs) And maybe they know it. Maybe you've told them. I mean, the the thing that I kind of struggle with is when you tell people the same thing, you know, over and over and over again, how do you kind of continually say like, you know, I, I've told you this five times before, but you still need to hear it. So it's just to kind of continue to reinforce that in a, a positive way that they can accept and that they don't become kind of your adversary. Yeah. Or your, um, or insubordinate, Mm -hmm. no, like superior. Exactly. That's, that's especially, like a client thing, but even when you're talking to people that work for you, it's just like kind of getting to their level and be be, having them feel like you appreciate them. That's a big thing. And then one, there's two more I'll go through them quickly is allay to their insecurities. So that is if people have an insecurity that you're going to leave, you can imply stuff like that. So just kind of, you can use that. And that one's a tougher one to do, but, just kind of, I think that's a good one for people to kind of experiment with. And then the last one is use people's stubborn and res- stubbornness and resistance against them. Hmm. 
And what you do is you similar to kind of the, well, you already know this, but, but it's, if somebody is really trying to resist that, if you encourage that behavior of like, yeah, you should do that. That's a good idea. Then they think it's your idea. So they'll start to not want to do that anymore. Sure. Yep. So that's a good strategy of somebody that's stuck to something. And if you just be like, yeah, you should do that. Cause then they're like, well now I don't want it to be here. You know? Yeah, exactly. You need so, to allow them to have ownership over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, one of my, I work with a client who's very good at making you always respond in the negative, even for affirmative statements. He's always like, do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. Mm. You know, he He's always read the book. Uh, start with no, no, I don't know what it is. He, he just, I think that's just his kind of adversarial personality. He, mm. He's like, are you disagreeing with me? And he, he's from the East Coast, so he kind of is like in your face about it. And I'm and I'm always just like, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. And then all of a sudden, you're on the same te- you're on the same side. Versus, do you agree? I have to go further across the table in order to make that happen. Do you find it easier when he asks you? Yeah, de- definitely. Like easier to communicate with him. Yeah, well, it's just because you can agree with somebody while still being moderately defensive. Yeah, you're defensive. Yeah, and that's that's one of the negotiation books they talk about is you want to get all all no's before one yes yeah like you want to you know May, do you disagree give them the ability to say no to everything until that's why when you answer the phone i think we said this in an earlier podcast we, but we, we mentioned it once yeah if you you answer the phone say um is this a bad time yep instead of are you are you free because mm-hmm. then it starts off with them being like no so that's been the kind of in my that's been in my language for a while and I think it helps. Mm-hmm. So those are the, those are the five strategies of influence that can, you can bite off pretty quickly, hopefully. Well, let's talk about the man at the helm of influence in the cultural context, which is Donald John Trump, which I just realized if you short is Don John, Don John, Don John, D- DJ, DJ Trump, DJ, DJ Trump. <laughs> Uh, DJ Trump, State I'm spinning uh, these one-liners. Spinning tweets for the State of the Union address, which you which had pretty some, much was. So I watched it, the State of the Union. It was 140. Like well, now, now it's what 240 characters or 270 characters or something. Yeah, but it's um, more. Mm-hmm. I I didn't actually watch it, but I have listened to a lot of the impeachment trial on Minnesota Public Radio, which is boring, but is it's it? it's amazing how. Um, how um, how one-sided people were thinking. It was like, there's no discourse. There's there's nobody in this chamber that's actually weighing options and making there's no decisions. Active debate. There's no active debate. It was it like, it was the most partisan, weak-ass thing I've ever seen. And I just, I honestly think that um, impeachment may just be a component of every subsequent administration administration for the foreseeable future because yeah. well especially it was if you wielded have, as such a yeah and it was wielded as such a tool in the arsenal without without any real recourse that it was it was just really sickening it's sickening and i think what's difficult is when you start to pay attention to the political landscape you start to realize there is no active debate it's just very mm-hmm. one-sided and i think it's it's hard because I think we're starting to feel those effects when you you know like Democrats and Republicans are are not it doesn't seem like we're working together on issues anymore it's just 
you know, this is my way or the highway and I'm not going to be able to listen to you. And I think, um, somebody was talking about how if you offend anybody, then they can kind of, then if you're offended, then you are a victim of something and now you have the right to feel something so you don't have to believe them. So it's now this, instead of, oh my gosh, maybe I am wrong. It seems like there's a, a trend that way. And I think this is kind of, unfortunately, the media is doing, because I think, you know, we are not like that as people. No. I don't think that is how we survive every day. No. You know, I no. think... I, I think, mean, nothing, if you look at organizations, mm-hmm. nothing gets done when there isn't that long-form sort of real conversation about what's actually occurring as opposed to like oh these are the quick hit bite sizes that don't materially change anybody's perception or action mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think that's the the hard thing is you know that's a big reason why i think media has become a lot less part of my life yeah it's very minimal <clears throat> part of my life as well as because it's not productive and i think in order to be a productive human being i'm finding that those skills aren't what I need to surround myself with. That's a narrative that I think is very toxic, to be honest. It's a toxic narrative. I completely agree, which um, is is interesting. The State of the Union uh, in at least the Obama years was what I sort of envisioned as more of a conversation with the American people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and like the fireside chats with FDR is kind of the most quintessential thing I can recall of the president like reaching across out into the populace and saying, I'm going to have a conversation with you about what's really going on. Yep. Um, and you had said that it didn't feel like a conversation. It felt more like a, here's a tweet. Mm-hmm. Here's a tweet. Sound bites. The economy is X. It sound bites. This is the percentage increase over... The last administration, you know, there yeah. are this many more jobs for minorities. Boom. You know, the, this is the percentage. Yeah. You know, and it's like trying to be objective, but also it's very tweetable. And then you'd get the, the weird thing was when people would like stand up and cheer. Yeah. And this, they'd stand up like every five minutes. Well, it'd probably be like 20 seconds. I mean, at some point it was every 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it, it's definitely his like style because anytime he's supposed to string together like more than three sentences, he gets in trouble. So like, if you're playing to your strengths, you know, quick hits, it, quick hits. You know, if you if you hit a great four iron, why would you be piping a drive out of bounds every single time you just take out the driver? Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Just pull out the four. Iron. He's hitting seven iron off the tee every day. He's hitting seven iron every shot. Every, yeah. <laughs> He's putting with the seven iron. Uh, I know. And I think, you know, this persuasion technique for him has been extremely effective. It's extremely effective. That's what's so fascinating is that um, it really has worked for a substantial amount of people, which um, obviously is, um, you know, telling of um, one, the the reading level of mm-hmm. the majority the simpli- of people in the simplicity United. of communication too yeah well that's how important it is and i mean everybody in marketing though this is why so he's politicized he's marketed politics for sure he's, he's taken what works and 
what you know i think you and i have done a ton of work on marketing in terms of what oh, yeah. works in its simplicity well here's the thing most prolific marketing statements of all time just, just do, do it. it exactly that's the first one you think of exactly but it is three words and it, think different and it embodies everything that you need to know and that's what he does for the political realm for sure he's a he's a synthesizer he's a simplifier and um again i in my old age of you know still in my 20s but late 20s i i always try to hold myself back whenever i start to be like when i was younger you know mm -hmm. we used to have long-form political conversations you know mm -hmm. that doesn't get anywhere so it's just fascinating for me to watch how this sort of soundbite tweet conversational tactic will um will impact subsequent um political campaigns and i think that again it's just a pendulum so you know mm -hmm. he's on one side and then either it continues to swing that way and that's why 2020 will be a interesting election year oh and it's call it's going to be an un, it's going to be probably the greatest landslide of the last 50 60 years sit back and watch yeah yeah I, it'll I mean, be interesting to see and i think you know, we were kind of talking about some of the commercials that were at the Super Bowl, and you can just now, when you're objective about, you can kind of see what their target is. I was not able to pay a whole lot of attention to the Super Bowl commercials just because there was great conversation to be had. I hadn't seen a lot of my friends in a long time, so um, didn't miss I, a ton. I was because they're always an interesting study in the cultural undertones of today, and mm -hmm. the one that I picked up on was. The world is effed up. Buy our product, and it'll save the world. Mm. I thought that was just the most prevalent thing. Is like, oh yeah, oh my god, it's so doom and gloom out there. It's well, there such was a, tough a really world. emotional one from Google, I believe, or Amazon, one of those big ones. And it like a couple girls were crying because it was like it went like somebody had cancer. It was just very emotional. Oh, it was the one um, where I was like, Google, remind me of when Loretta yeah. did whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super emotional. Super emotional. Like It just like, this is a new level of emotion. Mm -hmm. And you think of all of the new TV shows. Um, I was listening to, what was it? Uh, my significant other was watching a TV show, a show. And with commercials? No, like I was in the other one. room it was working. It was a streaming thing. Okay. And they were talking about somebody. Oh, this was like a reality TV. Somebody had cancer and somebody's mom died. It was just like so emotional. I was just sitting there like I just got hooked up in it. And I'm like, this is I am right in there with everything. Yeah. You know, like I was right there, a yep. super emotionally charged up. Yep. It's like, man, I, I and I was in the other room. And I just pick, like, your brain picks up on these things. Well, you know what's crazy is that um, there is such a social taboo with, like, sexual pornography. Mm. But all of modern-day television is emotional pornography. Oh, my gosh. It's just, like, well, it is just emotional. And this is why I talked about procrastination, is you have this immediate, like, just we are being... Uh, shot up with emotional charges. It's, and it's like em so it's emotional masturbation. High. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like you think of the dopamine effect we're getting, and it, I'm sure it just is crazy on the scale of emotion yeah. that you're experiencing. And I think it's making us less aware. 
so you know what I've, I've been doing a lot of meditation over the last you know long time and what i've noticed is the ability to identify when that's happening to me yeah when yeah. i'm starting to be like oh, oh, like yeah. you can feel yourself yeah and i'm noticing it more and more when there's like netflix binge show on or hbo or you you know you can just catch these things they're starting to really emotionally js off yeah it's, it's just crazy yeah uh, it's entertainment you know I mean, it is and and now we live in a world with near constant entertainment accessible to people mm -hmm. i mean it's just well i always found myself procrastinating because i wanted the short-term emotional thing is a lot easier than thinking of the long-term thing that doesn't give you that immediate satisfaction. Sure. So, yeah, well, why don't you talk about so that? So, what, what I've been, I've kind of changed. I've, I think everybody knows there's tons of procrastination stuff out there. What I've boiled it down for me after years of looking into this is it's an emotional wave you have to ride out. Because what people end up doing is instead of doing the task, you want to feel like you can do the task. So you want you need this feeling before you do anything. So like, okay, I want to feel motivated to work. I don't feel motivated. I'm not going to work. I'm going to go watch a YouTube video or I'm going to go do something that gives me that emotional feel right now rather than sticking to my discipline and just doing what you are procrastination is that like shortcut to try to get an emotional dopamine hit high. Yep. And I think that's been, I was talking about that with a couple people is, is how we are just trained to procrastinate. I mean, that's, we're given all these stimuli. And I think for me, once you put it more of like the emotional wave, you just have to ride through and really commit yourself to doing something. And it's like short term versus long term, And it's, harder to do these things long term so i think it's just creating this huge kind of gap in the and what i've been finding is uh helping me pro, like not procrastinate is to just start every day with two to three hours of just absolute crank yeah and that is the only way i've been able to get through that because otherwise if it's the afternoon i'm a lot more susceptible to these emotional like i'm okay, I'm a little more tired. Oh, let's just spend, you know, five minutes doing this. And then you don't sure. get much done. Yep. So that's kind of been a, a conversation I've had with a couple people over the last few weeks. It's been interesting. Mm -hmm. I've also heard you say it's um, emotional immaturity. One, well, Yeah, it is. It because is. you're like choosing short term. And I'm not to, not to say um, maturity, yeah, yeah. immaturity means you're always thinking about long term, but because mm -hmm. you know that's not necessarily always the case. But um, it's like uh, it's a shortcut, you know. Mm -hmm. It's 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 an immature response to an emotional stimuli. That mm -hmm. it's a regression, really. It's not like a was well, going to more of your human, your animalistic like uh, functions of oh, I have a feeling, I need to act on that feeling rather than. Uh, pulling yourself away and making a conscious decision using your intellect and I think what I think we're still working on developing and that's I think part of our human evolution is how do you uh, kind of distance yourself from those emotional reactions and responses sure. it's really tough really it, tough it is um, 
You have a, a, a note here about eating properly. Is there a particular reference to that or have we cut? We, yeah, I, I mean, I think it goes. So procrastination can also be distilled down into are you consistently eating and getting the energy you want to? Like going and getting a huge hit of sugar. Yeah. That does you absolutely no good. And I think I was listening to a psychologist speak about what is the, if somebody has like mental health issues, the first thing he does is I'm going to get you on a diet plan and I'm going to get you feeding yourself with the exact right energy. And that he said makes people 80% better. Yeah. A very subjective number, but, but like that he said is consistently eating is in terms of like your daily ups and downs. He just said, it's just like, that's the driver of a lot of emotional, like your emotional feeling. It's a, it's a big impact. So that's helped me. It's helped a lot of people I've been around. Um, so that, that's something I, I really feel pretty, pretty strongly about. Yeah. Well, um, my dog also does too. So we, uh, we spent so much time learning our, our cutting our teeth on the, uh, on the general mills, um, rocket fuel of the day. Hmm. You want your kid to to make it to the bus, give him a bowl of lucky charms. Cause he will be out like a rocket and won't be late. <laughs> He'll also crash when he gets the first hour and not want to do anything but fight people. But, yep. um, and I, I was just thinking about, I mean, food choices because, um, obviously everybody is always doing their best with the information that they have at hand. You know, what I, mean, I think what, that's, so I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not pointing figures or doing anything, but, um, we ate a lot of cereal growing up and I know a lot of people that eat a lot of cereal and, uh, we have some, we developed some pretty interesting habits. Oh I yeah. Say. I love these. Are, this is going to be great. So, um, one of my favorites was, uh, was lucky charms. You're a charms guy. I'm a big charms guy. So what was your strategy for consuming the charms? So, well, of course, I'm just going to rip every marshmallow oh, you, out of there. You're a mallow guy first? I'm a mallow ripper. You're Get going, them all out of there and you, throw the rest away. <laughs> are you kidding me? I remember, well, okay, oh so here's, gosh. I wanted to have a ratio of at least three sure. mallows to non mallow and now that I, that's like the inverse of the way that this tr- cereal is designed. I know you have to throw away a lot of the other stuff, <laughs> whatever that other stuff is. I don't even. Know. I yep. I developed a taste for the um for the for you know the the non sugar marshmallow component of the cereal. Oh, you did the crunchy stuff. Well, the crunchy thing I, they made in the lab. I I developed a taste for that ratio of you know the intended amount of crunch. Oh, you like the ratio. So my strategy was, boom, I'm getting the non-marshmallow crisps out of there right away. Mm. Suffering through it. I'm a big type. I'm a big... Eat the frog. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to suffer through these bad boys and enjoy the end. I'm a big leave on a high note type of guy, so I would leave... That's why you eat your uh, yellow your yellow sharks first and you save your purples and reds for last. Exactly. Same thing. Just different scenario. Eat the green... Uh, Skittle first, greens Yellow and starbers. yellows. Get them out of here. Get them out of the way. Out of here. I just want to. I I don't want to worry about having to eat those later. Yeah, you want to stare at them. I'm gonna enjoy myself. You want to relax and enjoy <laughs> your wanna, reds. I, I want to enjoy a red or a pink, uh, Starburst. You know. Oh I mean, yeah. There's nothing better. Remember, we used to use those as uh, dollars. 
We used to act like yeah. they were dollars. Where yeah, the reds, the pinks were yep. like you know ten or twenty. I think we we called it. And then you yeah. got the one dollar bills and the yellows running around. And then we did a whole. Well, now yellows are good, so let's move them back up. Yeah, there was a re. Yellows came in hot. There was a uh, reincarnation it, of yellow. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was more of a revaluation. Yeah, we revalued really. it. There was Lime <laughs> is cool now, or lemon is cool now. An, an audit was done on, on the relative <laughs> yeah, value. We, we we had to restate uh, our earnings. Re- <laughs> Yellows, <laughs> yellows resubmitting their yeah their their uh, their ten k to the yeah, to the, the table yeah they re resubmitted restating their earnings they restated their earnings and it was good this time yeah it was good so yeah, what are so, the other series well, so, you got into um again uh big uh big texture texture guy so at the end of the because um, you couldn't have too many. You couldn't have just marshmallows because a just marshmallow spoonful would be fun for about the first two bites, and then it just turns into a gu- a gumball. I mean, it's it's a marshmallow gumball, really. So I, I always tried to maintain a specific level of saturation to the marshmallows as well. Mm, Try not to dunk them. Sa- op- optimal milk saturation. So you wanted to, was it soft on the outside or? Soft on well, yeah, it would Not have to soft. be, you know, yeah, it'd more kind of be like soft on the bottom and crunchy on the top, sort of a thing, because you know that you want it to sink. bite. In you the want a little bit of structure in the in the mushroom. You do, or, excuse me, the uh, the 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 marshmallow, and um, the best example of this texture balance can be determined from your. Uh, one, if you're a four-year-old, like I certainly was, your cinnamon toast crunch, because anybody oh knows boy, that was absolute heat. If you, anybody <laughs> knows, if you eat dry cinnamon toast crunch, you're a savage. It's like you, you basically again. Don't, it's like you, you might as well just crunch it up and snort it off the table. <laughs> you you have a steel roof of the mouth. You yeah. could you could go and eat hot pizza right out of the you can yeah, eat a frozen go drink pizza a pot of right, coffee right now right out of the oven no trouble whatsoever your roof of your mouth is just leather at this point yeah untouched and, and there's not a lot of seven-year-olds that have leather mouths at this point 70 no. years old perhaps if you know anyway so i would always make sure to have like equal saturation of my i really liked Soggy cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, you were. I was just a soggy guy. Soggy. Let just it. Let, let it, it soak. Let it sit. Oh, <laughs> just toss. Toss the spoon. Toss it back. in there. I'm going upstairs. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go watch go Arthur. I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this toast crunch another minute. <laughs> I'm going to give it another ten minutes. Yeah. Don't she's, you? Yeah. She's she's looking a little. We're going to uh, bake it. She's looking the opposite of rare. Or of uh, rare, she's medium well. Yep. And we need her to get to rare. You're a rare type guy. I was for a rare cinnamon toast crunch. I like crunch. rare cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> I did not. Like I was medium, medium rare. I was a medium rare cinnamon medium toast, rare. toast crunch. Again, liked to have a little bit of texture going on. Mm. Yeah. So you, it sounds like crunch for you is important. Crunch was important. I didn't. Scientists big, got it right with you. Not a big sog guy. See, with yeah. me, they must. I must be a little bit on the weird side here is what i so specifically i remember so are you pressing hold on though you get your cinnamon toast crunches are you pressing all of them down into the milk i'm trying to submerge them all (laughs) the best ones are on the bottom i remember specifically enjoying the bottoms (laughs) 
<laughs> the tops again. I don't have Take a leather. I don't have a leather mouth, so yeah. You know you, so, what you could so you, do. You got is, like an excavation operation. Oh going yeah, you'd on have to you're... scoop them from the bottom, <laughs> and then it was kind of a little bit of you, you think of like a, a wheel. You had sure, to wheel sure. them you got in the and water out. Wheel going you on. Circle of, it up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, yep Touch yep, them all. Yep. Touch them all. <laughs> that was good. I think. I mean, for me, the the cereal that stood out the most was I was big Honey Nut Cheerios guy. But then oh, yeah. when we were out, I went Cheerios, of course, but. I would put probably six tablespoons of sugar. Yep. And it would be like the sugar scoop at the bottom with, you know, <laughs> four four uh Cheerios. Yep, that was your that was your uh end of the cereal bowl. Oh, cuz I remember when you would like turn the bowl towards you mm. and then it the, all the sugar kind of rests in the oh, yeah. base of the lip that's near you and you can just get oh, your get a big old gold mine. <laughs> It's like you're panning for gold. <laughs> panning for gold. It's hot. You got to hit it while it's hot. I, uh, yeah, I was. So sugar was consumed in the morning. That's for sure. Again, did you have a a sprinkle the sugar on strategy? Because I was very. I th- I thought I thought even distribution and coverage was paramount. If I was. I, if I globbed it, I was having a bad day. Right there. Just a bad start. Doesn't, I would be I would be sense. dropping passes on the on the mm-hmm. recess field. Yeah. I'd be getting touched by girls on the playground. Yeah. Be a bad day. Yeah, you'd be dropping books when you're walking. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's frustrating. I know for me, my strategy was I like to get. I mean, generally just dump it on there, but I like to make sure it was evenly covered. It looked sure. like a it looked like a snowstorm yeah. hit my Cheerios. <laughs> Yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. That 11-inches yep. at Jackson Hole snowstorm on top mm-hmm. of my cereal. Well, and then did you saturate the sugar? What do you mean? Okay, so after... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so after right. you get an even distribution, because you can't eat you dry sugar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. I did, sorry, I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was making that assumption before we even were yeah. on the next topic. Yeah, of course. So then you'd go... So you obviously have to clear a small water well or a milk well in the side of the bowl so that you can... Pull it in. So you can pull in the milk without disturbing the integrity of the snow that's on yeah. top of your Yeah, who you know, wants Wheaties? dry sugar? No. That's the me. worst. No, exactly. That's not even Yeah, I mean, I got I'm a soggy you're so, you're, I'm a you're soggy cinnamon toast guy. You can't even you're know bo- how wet that sugar is. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, oh, I'm trying man. to think of other cereals. Well, Wheaties for me is like the the canvas that I'm thinking about because Wheaties gives you this nice yeah, it's a vehicle to deliver sugar into your body. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also it's also so artistic when you get this nice little like uh, you know uh, uneven surface with which to practice your distribution, you know, because you got some rising up out of the uh, mm-hmm. out of the mix, and you got some nice flat chunks versus the vertical ones. So I remember it was good, when it's good testing ground for. Oh yeah, for a I remember head. having Wheaties without sugar, being like, "This is the worst thing I've ever tasted," <laughs> yeah. and then seeing our dad. Put Just, a couple banana things in there and eat Wheaties. I'm like, what is he doing? How does he do that? Oh, bananas on Wheaties, next level stuff right there. Yeah, that, we were good, we were just I was just enthralled with sugar. Mm-hmm. So I remember having Wheaties, being like, I will never eat those without a pound of sugar in there. They don't taste super good without the sugar. I, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Again, I was mainlining sugar in my other meals. Uh, yep. My other breakfast cereal. So mm-hmm. I think we were pretty Pavlov dogged by that point of morning meal with sugar. Yep. 
which hey you made know for a fun bus ride a lot of people nowadays like in their coffee I, you go to another european country mm-hmm. holy cow the coffee comes out here come the spoonfuls of sugar especially in south america Man, oh my god try it jeez it will, it's if, so sweet if you, i remember i wasn't a big coffee drinker until you know obviously now i'm huge but before i wasn't big and even in, when i started work I didn't really drink coffee and I remember starting with sugar being like, oh man, this is super sweet. And then without sugar, I was like, this is terrible. Tastes like battery acid. Terrible. And then now that I'm into coffee, I had somebody who was like, oh, try this. Um, I forgot who it was, but when it was, but there was sugar in it. And I was just like, well, that doesn't even taste like Like coffee. coffee." To me, you know. I don't know. What other other good breakfast cereals were there? There was Life. Or checks. Uh, I loved the life. Was uh, good. What's the that was also golden grams. Golden grams. You had uh, the chocolate ones. Ooh, how about Reese's Puffs? Jeez Louise. Oh man, now talk about candy for breakfast. Oh, that was. Are you kidding? That's See, true. I never was a Reese's. I know you oh, were. Oh man, I I was. That was I yours. Was big. That, that was, was big. yours. Yep. I went golden grams. Yep. That was. I think. So I would. I would definitely do the old. Uh, I was again big on the texture. A lot of depression going on. Get that even soak night through. Yeah, you through want to each soak. one of the. Uh, mm-hmm. Each one of the. Uh, Which the is puffs. tough. It's, it's tough. tough. It's very tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have a steady hand, patience. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot to ask of a seven-year-old boy, seven-year-old boy who's, who's in between activities. In between going to school. I mean, we've been known to hang out with guys who are so concerned about making it back to the activities that they didn't even wipe. We do. I mean, they would just, they would just gotta go. I drop I it, drop am it to, taking too much time in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna. I'm gonna cut down on the steps here <laughs> so I can get back in the action, and I'm not gonna I, wipe. I know an easy way I'm gonna, to eliminate a lot of time in my day. I can maximize time doing what I want. Talk about outside. and this guy is very. I mean, efficient. that's forward thinking. I mean, that's, that is like you take, know what? I can handle it. I've weighed, <laughs> I've cost benefited the Alan, uh, the outcomes on this one, and I'm going with poopy butt crack. I've tried it. Not so bad. <laughs> It's it's really not that bad once you get used to having a bunch of crap in your butt. <laughs> talk, talk about, uh, and I think this was for a number of years. We're not talking like it a weekend. A week. It was like several this is years. like a couple of years. And the way that it was communicated to us was the mother was quite frustrated with the laundry duties of... <laughs> I think that would be double duty. Well, really. that's... That's, uh, if we only had uh, a youth pair of just brown underwear, then you know her job, her life would have been a lot smoother. I would say. I think so, a lot smoother. At that point, though, if you're the if no you're, wipe, I don't know. You need. Uh, I JBU mean, if, would if, do the trick. If any underwear is going to stand up to the test, it's going to be that. For There's, sure. I mean, it, that's that's pushing the it. The JBU is going to go to like battle testing it. That is battle testing a pair of JBUs, but that's what we do with Jess mm-hmm. Brown underwear. We put them through the we you know, we put them through That's how you test and samples. Yeah, that's to know if they if they help <laughs> the if zero, they do the trick or the not. Zero wipe. That's that's the final level of testing for Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they talk about uh, you gotta, you gotta user play, testing. You got to play golf. You got to go That's in the test a, environment now, guys. Play golf. You got to go on a long drive. You got to eat. Go for a hike. Gotta go hike. Go for a hike, and then 
not make it to the bathroom. Have a have a lot of pizza if that's your thing, or the antithesis, have like a bunch of seafood. Mm-hmm. You know, go oh, for yeah. the go for the Chinese. Yeah, you got to try go for them the all. Thai food. Touch them all. Yeah, just to make sure that you really got your backside covered. You, you got to make it, sure because the last thing you want to do is buy insurance and it's not covered. Exactly. It's like buying health insurance and they don't reimburse you for Next your you know, procedure. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's going to come out of pocket. Well, what are you here for? Jeez. You well, don't have I've to worry been, about been, that with just brown underwear. I've been paying you monthly. Yeah. And now I'm not getting anything out of that? It's a racket. It's a racket. Yeah. But that's not just brown underwear. No. Man, what other... Do we have any other good cereal stories? I bet our listeners have tons of amazing cereal I'd stories. Love I'd love to know what's to hear. probably the most, you know, I think Kicks was another one. But oh, Kicks were good. Yep. That was, I, I that had was, a phase. That was real small. I yep. mean, Kicks is like one of your first introductions into eating hard food. Yeah. Like babies eat Kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had Kicks. I, I could eat Kicks by on. the handful. Yep. That was like a mm-hmm. snack when you'd come home would be the Kicks. Yep. Oh, man. My uh, my snack after coming home from school for probably all of elementary school, come home, grab as pretty much as wide as my uh, fourth grade hand could hold in Oreos. Four, maybe Four. five. Double and if stuffed. I was really if I had a rough day, I'd go for the five. Double stuffed. Yep, double stuffed. Glass of milk, happy as a clam. Right there. Yeah, I know we did a bit on uh, snacks after. But we lost that episode. Oh, no. Yep, so we here did. We go. So people don't even know about the snacks episode. So snacks episode, I think, was a personal favorite for ours. Yeah. And we're on the topic. We might as well just go into it. I mean, so you Oreos, I think, one of a, one of America's favorite pastimes. Big, if you're a time. adolescent. Yep. If you are a millennial, you probably have... have had Oreos consumed, at some point. Consume departments of Oreos. Yep. It would be interesting to actually stack up the average Oreo consumption of like a person in America today. Can you imagine if it's stacked like as high as a building? Oh yeah. Because if you think if you do the math, if I was eating, I don't know, let's call it twenty Oreos a week for three that's, years that's, for thirty that's <laughs> thirty weeks. <laughs> uh, it adds oh up quickly. God. Yeah, that's so. So, what was your Oreo strategy? Because I know mm, we've had this discussion again, with friends before, and you can you can probably guess based on my cereal tactics that I was moderate. Well, because you had equal to, distribution. Yes, but slightly on the soggier side. Mm, even soggy, but not such that it would break off in the glass because that is just a tragedy when you lose one. Yeah, you got to go get the spoon. That's a get tough the day. Spoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like walk, that, the walk of shame going to get the spoon. I know. that's Because uh, you don't want to drink it out of there because then you spill. Yeah. Because then you miss or something weird happens. You know you have a good life when one of your worst things that happens to you in your day is your Oreo breaks off in your glass of milk. <laughs> You got it going on wherever that's you're frustrating. at. I mean, if when that's, you're if that's when you are of, raised with efficiency, if that's a top of mind issue that you're dealing with, you got it. You got it pretty well. Yeah, you know, and I think it's the little things when you're a kid. Um, those snack time is just like it's some of the best time of the day. I mean, it's like well, your chance to eat what you want. Well, you know, it's not what mom's telling you. This is your choice. <laughs> yeah, you this get is to autonomous. <laughs> Yeah. Decision-making time for the little ones. Well, there was an interesting 
book that is being passed around our family. I think it's the boundaries one about how like a three year old, for example, is going to defy you with whatever you say mm-hmm. because they're using their, it's their first time that they have realized that they actually have an identity that is separate from you. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Oh, I'm going to do it. So, um, I mean the food consumption is, is one of those times where you really like have a choice mm-hmm. and it's, it's crazy now because now that I spend most of my time working, like dinner for me is kind of that reprieve where I'm like, okay, I actually am going to turn off everything right now and just enjoy this meal Eat mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I know I'm getting back after it afterwards. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a nice break because I don't like eating while working. You're, you're hunched over a laptop. It's just stupid. It's not, you don't enjoy your food. You don't enjoy your food. And, um, you're, it's not like you're efficient, you know, I mean, well, you can't it's, multitask. No, exactly. You and can't. Why would you want to? I mean, I, Which, I have grown to respect food a lot. I really respect eating and take a lot of care in it. So you want to enjoy it. And I, I've just got to say this because that multitask comment made me think about it. And there, I was in a meeting. There were five guys and one woman in the meeting. And this one woman and this one guy were kind of going back and forth in terms of like not really cooperating, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of like nitpicky and it lasted for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, the guy complimented her and was like, yeah, you know, that must be really stressful to have to manage all of those requests or whatever. I have it a little bit easier than you. And I didn't realize that. And then this is the first time I've ever heard this, this statement uttered, so I was really, really shocked. But she said, well, you know, I'm a woman, so I'm better at multitasking. Hmm. And then everybody on the call was just silent. And it was like, whoa, did that really happen? I mean, it was so out of left field for me. That's I, pretty, I've heard that before in terms really? of like socially. Yeah, I know. Socially, perhaps. I've never heard there's in a meeting. In a me- it was in a meeting. The bold. That's I a, think that's a misstep. It was, it was very un... Um, unprofessional shall we just say for sure and I, I was just taken aback because i understand that there's stereotypes and there's even studies that suggest that women are more capable at focusing on multiple tasks at once than men which i understand i, I think there's some degree of you know i mean there's a lot of studies out there that also say multitasking is impossible so like yeah multitasking itself may be a misconception of you know our social norms but yeah. anyway that that statement i'm, a, just, I'm of the latter of those those two scientific facts. I don't yeah. think you can multitask and be better at it than anybody. I just think we're all bad at it. Yeah. The, uh, one of my favorite pseudo multitasking activities is like cleaning the house while I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. But those are non, those are activities that are mutually exclusive. Well, and it's also not, that's not cleaning true. the house. It's not like you're going to, if you make a mistake. So I think they, so I, I read a study on multitasking and they said, everybody thinks they're a good driver. When they talk on the, like you can talk on the phone and drive, but they have tested and you have like a fifty percent chance m- more of getting in an accident. Yeah, and it's a low chance of getting in an accident, but it's higher. So it's just proof that yes, we think we're on the phone, but your reaction time is delayed. Yeah. So yeah. you actually aren't multitasking. That's exactly. what the, that's what the yeah. conclusion was was. Like you're multitasking, yes, but it's your performance in both of them is decreasing. It's significant. Yeah. That's significant enough 
for it to warrant a conclusion of you're not good at multitasking. Well, Minnesota is a hands-free state now. It is now. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that's a good move. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, it makes my investment in AirPods much more um, AirPods, much I tell you, effective. Much more great purchase. Yeah, they were. They were. I think really. I makes me more productive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's it does. safer. I, th- I, I, I would, before I, they came out, I was like, those things are stupid. I thought that a little bit as well, but um, as, as Apple does to me, they prove me wrong almost every time. Apple really does has a has a job as it does a good job. I saw a really interesting statistic about the uh, profit margins that are received by the respective countries. Um, when an iPhone is made and um, I believe the iPhone costs like $130 to make hmm. overall parts and whatever and it's sold for you know 900 or a thousand bucks we'll just call it yeah and um, China gets like $35 in profit South Korea gets like five like seven Japan gets like 46 uh, the United States probably like 36 or 40 it might even be 50 mm-hmm. and then um, Apple pockets like two hundred and fifty-seven dollars. Hmm. Wow! Out of all of that, and you know, that may seem like a lot of money relative to it, but it's like those countries don't do anything except collect taxes for Apple's done all the whatever. work. Exactly, you know. So I mean, it's like yeah, the people in the country are doing the work, but they have set up the entire. Well, and this thing. is just profit too, so this doesn't count the parts and whatever have or the labor that has gone into the phone this is just pure here's your percentage of the here's your percentage of the profits because of your contribution to the intellectual property or because you know you're licensing this technology out of your country and we're paying taxes on it crazy isn't that it's just straight cash it's literally just a payment over i mean you think of some of these country these companies word straight cash homie straight cash just uh just a wire right to the bank. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. I know App. I know Amazon had. Uh, there's an article about how they basically pay no tax. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, when you can run your business at a loss by making so many so many investments in stuff and consistent consistently bringing profit. I mean, obviously, like. Yeah. You got to do I, it. I just I actually, think I did a transfer pricing project once on the strongest financial indicators that were to determine a company's corporate tax corporate effective tax rate Hmm. and so we're looking at debt to equity ratio you know a bunch of these Hmm. like a bunch of these financial metrics and basically ran regressions on them and the most significant impact of the amount of corporate income taxes that were paid was inversely correlated meaning the higher the ceo's age the less they paid in corporate income tax. Crazy. And that was the largest indicator. Hmm. Strongest one. Wow. So, I don't Most know. experience. Get yourself an old CEO. Get no. yourself an old doctor. They're good, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been they around have the block. High, they have good, they've, they've got uh, really good, so that's just, that's just from my work, but I know that. The yeah. older, the older the physician, the more uh, likely the more they've done. Positive outcomes. The more they've done. Yeah. And, and there's definitely like a, there's a sweet spot. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, you generally want somebody Alzheimer's that's done a lot of them. Or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want, you want somebody that's done a ton of them and d- continually does a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week when we'll be back kicking it here in the rumpus room.